0: Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois 60926. We hope to see you this morning. So we're gonna to start today who, who all knows what today is? You know what today? Yeah, but you know what it is in the Jewish calendar? Today is the Feast of Pentecost. So we're going to be looking at Pentecost today. How did we arrive at Pentecost? Does anybody know how they arrived at, how why Pentecost was so important? What's the significance of it? Uh, we know from Easter... The crucifixion happened on Friday. Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday. From that resurrection Sunday, Jesus taught and ministered in the synagogues and around people for 40 days. And then he ascended to the right hand of God on that 40th day. And on that day... That he ascended, he told the disciples to go and tarry in Jerusalem till you were endued with power. Now well, they didn't know how many days that was, they didn't know how long they'd be there. Two days or two weeks or whatever. Ten days later, we have Pentecost, which is the fe- the, the feast of Pentecost, which was signified by the baptism of the Holy Spirit 50 days after. The resurrection. So that's how we get it being 50 days after Easter. It was because of all of the tr- that transpired after the resurrection. Now, we're going to look at a few things. And I've got a portion of this book I'm going to read to you for signification of why it happened the way it happened. This is a great book, by the way. Ralph, if you like this kind of stuff, this is a great book. Okay, it's um, what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. It's a theology book. If you like theology, dry theology, then you're right, it's right up your alley. But we're going to go to the book of Acts, start with the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 8. We'll go ahead and start in verse 6 because that's the beginning of the thought. Acts chapter one verse six. So when they had come together, they asked him, "Lord, will you will you at this time restore your kingdom to Israel?" He said to them, "It is not for you to know the times and dates which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall be shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be want, be my witness." in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had spoken these things, while they looked, he was taken up, and a cloud received him from their sight. While they looked intently toward heaven, as he ascended, suddenly two men stood by them in white garments. They said, Men of Galilee, why stand stand looking toward heaven? The same Jesus, who was taken up from you, to heaven will come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So there's some things we want to look at really quickly here if we want to get to all of this Old Testament prophecy. He is telling them, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, We go back into the Gospels, we know that Jesus breathed on them the breath of life. And we can surmise that that was the born-again experience. So at that point, they received the Holy Spirit into their hearts and into their spirits because Jesus breathed upon them. So if you if you surmise that, then you have to wonder what is this here that he's talking about? Didn't they receive it already? Well, what he's talking about here is what happens is the Holy Spirit is in them and then it becomes to a point where they receive this outpouring. You know, you take a, you take a can of water they call it an outpouring for a reason. The water is in here, right? The Spirit of God was in them. If I were to do this, Sandy what would happen to that an outpouring it right it's an outpouring of what's inside it <laughs> <laughs> it's an outpouring of what's inside right now I'm gonna take a drink so I just out it into my mouth but anyway it's an outpouring of what's inside So the Holy Spirit was in them at the born-again experience when Jesus breathed upon them. This was an outpouring of the Spirit that was in them already. It wasn't a new receiving of the Spirit, but it was an outpouring of what was inside of them. So that's what that was. And what was the purpose? We see a difference in the disciples from the point of them going to the upper room to the point when they came out. Jesus was resurrected. What were they doing? They were hiding. They were, they were fearing for their lives. And we don't, see, we don't talk about, the Bible's very silent, about the 40 days that Jesus taught in the synagogues after of what the reactions of the, of the disciples were we can surmise that there was the same kind of uh, reaction and temperament. They were hiding, they were fearful. But Jesus said, "This will be for a purpose of being witnesses of the Word, or witnesses of Christ. And not only just in an in one partic- particular area, but everywhere. Now, let's go down here to this section. He says, Suddenly two men in white garments stood by them and said, Men of Galilee, why stand looking toward heaven? The same Jesus is taken up from you from heaven will come in like manner as you saw him go to heaven. So you just gotta set the scene here for you. They're talking to Jesus. This was after the transfiguration. They were in all the transfiguration. He's standing there, and they're like this. In awe. He's going up. Two angels say, why are you doing that? In other words, they're saying, you've got your orders, right? Jim, you know about orders. You're in the military. You've got your orders. You've got your orders. Go. Go. Do what he's told you to do. Get moving. Don't be staring. It's not like, it's, it's not like he's not coming back. He's coming back in the same like manner. Fast forward to chapter 2, verse 8, starting in verse 1, actually, and then we'll go down. But he says, When when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There There appeared to them tongues as a fire, "...being distributed and resting on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Now dwelling in Jerusalem were Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. When, they, when this, this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were confounded, because each man heard them speaking in his own language." They were all amazed and marveled, saying each one to each other, Are not all these men, all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that, they, that we hear each of our, each in our own language, native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the regions of Libya and near Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jew and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own languages the mighty works of God. They were all amazed and perplexed, saying to each other, what does this mean? Others mocked, saying, these men are full of new wine. In other words, they were drunk. They were joking around, they're drunk. They don't know what they're doing. They're speaking gibberish. They're drunk. Of course, there's a lot of people that they didn't all speak the same language, so people that didn't understand certain languages probably thought, well, they're just speaking gibberish. But isn't it like God? There's a, there's a theory or a school of thought that would suggest that this was the bringing back of the Tower of Babel. What happened in the Tower of Babel? Well, they wanted to build that tower and be like God, Right? So God came down and confused all the languages. And they couldn't understand each other. So the like language, the like, the like language people—if that's even a sentence—they all gathered together and went to their own place. Those those that could understand each other went in their own communities, their own our own areas. They view there are schools of thought that view this as the renewing of that one language because they all could understand what was being said. And they all spoke different languages so they all could understand it. Just like God was the one who confused it in the Tower of Babel, God was the one that made it possible for all of them to understand. And you got to think about the purpose of that. What is the purpose of that? Well we get down to Peter's speech. There's a couple things. In Peter's speech, we're not going to go through the whole thing; it's long. But we got we want to look at the temperament of Peter. Remember, he, the crucifixion, he denied Jesus three times, ran and hid. They were hiding in the upper room by by directive of Jesus. But nevertheless, they were fearful. He stands out on the temple steps, in the midst of all the. All these people, chief priests, all these people, and gives a fiery message, a fiery sermon about how these are the people that crucified the one and only God. These were the ones. You're to blame, basically. He's telling them. He wouldn't have done that 50 days earlier. But it came to this idea of a boldness that came based upon the, wit, the the power of God outpouring to those believers in there. Now we understand that there were above 500 to start with. Men and women, children, above 500. You know how many there were at the day of Pentecost? 120. 120. I think... I believe, and this is my opinion, I believe God chose days to make this happen to weed out the the sheep from the goats, so to speak. Those who were really, truly there to get from God something. Those were the ones that put aside everything for the work of God, for the promise of God. They truly believed. 120 of them. One of those 120 was Jesus' mother, by the way. Now, let's look at the reasonings behind this particular section of Scripture. And I'll read it to you. It's not very lengthy, but it's lengthy enough. We're starting in the second paragraph of this book. It says, The signs preceding Pentecost, the Pentecost opor, and connected it with the Old Testament, the Old Testament experiences as well as with the Old Testament promises. The day of Pentecost was an Old Testament harvest festival for the church it marked the day when the long awaited spiritual harvest would begin but before the outpouring of the spirit came two unusual signs gave further connection to the old testament symbolism first a sound like a blowing of a, of a violent wind came from heaven in acts 2:2 2, 2. those there were all were no there, though there was no actual wind the sound filled the house Wind was a frequent symbol of the Spirit in the Old Testament. The fact that it was the sound of a violent wind, a wind with carrying power, also suggests that this was more than a breathing of the Spirit, or like Jesus did, more of a breathing of the Spirit in regeneration that brings new life. Again, it speaks of power of power for service. The appearance of tongues... Of fire is that that separated and came to rest on each of them. Separated means distributed, which happened with what happened was that something appeared that looked like a mass of flame over the whole group. Then it broke up, and a single tongue like a flame settled on the head of each. This is no sense of a baptism by fire, nor was it judgment or cleansing, as some would suppose. These were people whose hearts and minds had already been open to the teachings and resurrection of, of the resurrection of Jesus, hence the ten days. These were people that were ready and willing and open. Now, people filled with joy and, and praise to God, people who were already cleansed, already responsive to His word, already united. The fire here must be connected not with judgment, or cleansing, but with another aspect of Old Testament symbolism. The Old Testament records a progressive development with regard to worship. First it was simply at an an altar, as with Abraham. Then God commanded his people to build a sanctuary in the wilderness, the tabernacle. Fire from heaven came down on a sacrifice, and there to indicate God's acceptance of this new sanctuary. But it happened only once. The next change came when Solomon built the temple. Again, fire came down and consumed the sacrifice, indicating God's acceptance of the sanctuary. But it happened only once. The temples built by Zerubbabel and by Herod were just rebuildings of the same temple, so the sign was not repeated. Now, the old temple was was about to be destroyed and God allowed 40-year overlap until 70 A.D., the believers united together as a body, as the body were living, were living sacrifices, Romans 12.1, as well as priests and living stones for the temple, 1 Peter 2.5. But in another sense, the new temple is twofold. The body of believers united together is the temple or the sanctuary. For the dwelling of God by his spirit, Ephesians 2.21-22, 1 Corinthians In addition, the bodies bodies of the individual believers are each a temple or sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6:19. The appearance of fire came over the whole group to indicate God's acceptance of the whole body as a temple. So the group as a temple. Then it broke up with a single tongue over the head of each to show God's acceptance of the body, of the body of each as a temple of the spirit. So. God is telling us here, Stanley Horton is bringing us back to symbolisms here of the Old Testament. God viewed them as, them as a group, as acceptable for that group, for that place, to house the Spirit of God. So God would not have given His Spirit in that place, had he not, had those people not been open and ready to go, that is why I believe the ten-day hiatus of that particular uh, outpouring, because of the some people were not all in, some people were not in it all the way, some people had other things to do, they weren't really sure, and so the, in those ten days, 380 plus left. So all that was left was the true people who were open to the promise of Jesus or the outpouring of the Spirit. And when he came to, when the Spirit came down, it filled the temple with a flame as approval. The attitude of that and the, and, the, and the acceptance of that in that place as a whole, the people as a whole. And then it split up on each of their heads as an acceptance of, of God as them as a temple. What's the Bible say? Don't you know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So God was giving acceptance to them as individuals that they were acceptable to house his spirit. And then sound of a mighty rushing wind and all of that was just proof that God was accepting their obedient sacrifice of being there 10 days. And so it split up between all 120. And they were, there was an outpouring of the Spirit for the purpose of witness. This was the birth of the church as we know it today. <clears throat> if this would not have happened, we would not be here. Do we understand that? If this would not have happened... United Brethren in Christ in Claytonville probably would not even be here. The Huntington University probably wouldn't be in existence. The Nazarene churches wouldn't be open. The Church of Gods wouldn't be open. The Lutherans and Methodists and all the other Protestant churches would not be opened had this not taken place. Because what happens, what happened was all of these visitors, all these visitors understood all this in their own languages. Some of them took the message back to their perspective places. Right? It would have, they would have to. It was a moving experience. It was a moving experience. So that's why we have. We have so many denominations because of difference of theology, but it all started in this particular thing, event, this particular event, started the birth of the, of, the, of the church as we know it today. Is that wonderful to, to know that? Now, some might suggest, well, why was there so many people? I mean, if you look at this list, if you look at this list, there are so many people that were in there, right? There was uh, there was Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and regions of Libya and Cyrene. and visitors from Rome and Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. Why was there so many people? so many different nationalities in the, in, the, in the outer courts. They weren't just in the town, they were in the outer courts close to the temple. Why? Well, I read somewhere that when the time the, the Feast of Pentecost came about, there were sacrifices and people would come to sacrifice. And some would, what they would do is there was a cut through in the temple courts. You know, if you had to go from, from this side of Jerusalem to that side of Jerusalem, you weren't allowed just on any given day to walk through the temple court to get to the other side, right? You had to walk around the temple to get over here. So when there's a, meal, a, a, a sacrifice or a, or a type of thing like that going on, those, those places were open for people that were going to come in and sacrifice to sacrifice. And they would have vendors set up we call them vendors today, but they'd have vendors set up with people that would sell uh, things to sacrifice to people that didn't have a sacrifice. And so they would go and they would buy their sacrifices, they'd come through and and a lot of people wouldn't buy anything, they would just cut through to get to the other side. I mean the Arabs wouldn't sacrifice Right? The Romans wouldn't sacrifice on a, on a, on a, they're not, it isn't, it isn't known that they would generally. So why were all of these people? Because they were cutting through to get to the other side. Right? They were cutting through. And so they were there and they heard all of this commotion. And they understood what was being said. Because God allowed it to happen. God allowed them to hear there was being said in their own language for the purpose of bringing people to Christ. Taking the gospel out to other areas of the world. There was a lot of people here from a lot of different places. Can you imagine the effect that that had on those different areas of the world? Now, Jesus spoke about this. Jesus spoke about this in the Gospels. Let me get back here to... Well, well, actually, let's go back to Joel because Joel is... There is a prophecy that Jesus talks about from the book of Joel. And I think it's in... Yeah, it's this one. I got marked up. Um, Jesus... talks about that they will be, that they will be um, witnesses again in the Gospels. But let's go back to Joel 2.28. Joel 2.28 says this. And Jesus, again in the Gospels, is pointing us back to Joel. Joel 2.28 there's a whole section on the outpouring of the spirit. verse 28 says and it, will, and it will be that afterwards i will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions even on the even on the main, men, men servants and maid servants in those days i will pour out my spirit then i will work wonders in, in the heavens And on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke, the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awe-inspiring day of the Lord comes. And it will be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Now, Joel is talking very, he's very specific. He had to be very specific. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, if you say all flesh, there's more than humans that have skin. Right? Cows have skin. Pigs have skin. Chickens have skin. I had some good chicken skin last week. Chickens have skin. Um animals have skin basically so he's saying on all flesh and then he goes and he's very specific he says I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh then your sons and your daughters will prophesy so he's talking about humans your old men will dream dreams your young men will see visions that means that God's outpouring of the Spirit is available for everyone Age does not matter. Gender does not matter, as we're going to see. He says, "Even on the men servant and the maid servant, in those days I will pour out my spirit." So, gender does not matter. Age does not matter. There is no, there is no um, prerequisite. You know, in the Old Testament. We know for, through our own teachings in Sunday school and research that women had no place in Old Testament times or children or men servants or maidservants. It count, didn't, didn't count for anything, just the men, just the head of the house. But Joel is up, God is upturning the apple cart through Joel's message men servant and maid servant all flesh sons and daughters and men everyone is open to this if you want it now we're in the position where we can ask ourselves if we want it we've presented the case that this was a thing that was prophesied about in the Old Testament it was something that was that was promised to the believers now i am not a cessationist what i mean by that is i believe that the holy spirit Endowment and of power from on high is for, just as much for today as it was for them in the first century. I am not a cessationist. I believe God still works miracles. I believe God still pours out His Spirit. I believe God still does a lot of things that people say God has stopped doing. <clears throat> now, the question we have to, to understand and, and become to understand is this. We have to ask ourselves, We have given evidence that God has prophesied this. And we see through the book of Acts that it came to pass. Jesus talked about it at his his, uh, ascension and prior to that. And it happened in the book of Acts. And it continued to happen at Cornelius' house and other places. So, can it happen today? Can it happen in 2021? I say yes. I think we would all agree yes, because God is God. God does not change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he, proph- if Joel prophesied this through the Spirit of God, in, at the time of his writing, we can surmise. That it's for today, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the question is, do we want it? The question is, are we open to those kinds of things? Are we open to the Spirit of God? Are we open to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Are we open to that? That is a question. And I'm not going to say, let's all, whoever wants to receive, unless you want to receive it today, we can pray for you today to receive it. If you want to do that, if you are, I don't want to say skeptical, but if you want time to think about it and pray, then I would suggest you do that. Do your research, do your reading, look into the scriptures. Allow God to minister to you. Talk to Jesus about it. Talk to Jesus about it. And allow him to move in your life. But we have established that it is just for today, it's for today as well as it was for the Old Testament times, first century time. If it didn't happen, we wouldn't be here. If it didn't happen, We would be at home still. I wouldn't be in my pajamas. I got up at 5.30. But we'd be at home still, probably getting ready for lunch, watching TV, and destined for an eternity apart from God had this event had not happened. That's how powerful this is. And it is very much effect on our lives because we are given the opportunity to bring others with us. To bring others with us to heaven. This outpouring of the Spirit is for us today to make us more powerful witnesses. Some of us have, um, how do I want to say, um, Comfort zone issues with talking to other people. And And I can understand that. I understand that. You know, when I was growing up, you don't discuss politics or religion in mixed company. Right? That's what I was told growing up. Well, that goes against what we're taught in Scripture about the religion part. We're supposed to be talking about our faith. We're supposed to be encouraging others to come to the Lord. And that ingrained thought of, don't talk about politics and religion among mixed company or amongst people, that hinders our relationship with God in that we cannot then share our faith in a proper way. Hence the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It, sh- it helps us to shed that comfort zone issue, shed that fear, shed that, uh, shed that um, less confidence in doing that. Now, you don't have to stand up after you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You may not preach a sermon like Peter, but you can tell people what Jesus did for you when he saved your soul. What he's brought you through. I can remember, and I, and I used to tell people this I remember going down to the front and just feeling like the way of the world was taken off my shoulders. That's all I, that's, that's all I remember. And feeling joyful once again. That right there is enough to get someone intrigued on what it is you have. Just tell them your experience. That's all you got to do. You don't have to have a seminary degree and you don't have to have credentials. You don't have to have all. Just tell them, you know, when I went down to the front and I accepted Christ, my testimony is I got on my knees and I felt like the world was lifted off my shoulders and I was joyful once again. And that's enough to get people to say, what caused that? And it strikes up conversations. And that, by, and that baptism of the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to share the rest of the story. Amen? So the question remains, and I'm going to ask this because I want to know, does anybody here want to receive today or try to receive today? If you do, great. If you don't, because you're not ready then i would encourage you to talk to god i would encourage you to research i would encourage you to pray i would encourage you to ask god he'll tell you more about it than i could my 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 teaching pales in comparison to the teaching of the holy spirit ask him search it out consider the scripture I know for me, if God had it, I wanted it. That was my whole thing. If God had it for me, I wanted it. That was my thing. But I had to get to a place where I wanted it. You know? That's my encouragement today for you. If you have this particular thing and we've talked about it, We've went through it, and you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if it's real. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever the questions might be or concerns, I want to encourage you talk to the Lord and ask Him. Talk to God and ask Him. And guess what? You can receive it anywhere. You can receive it at home. In your times of prayer, you don't have to be up here in the front and have me pray over you. You can receive it anywhere. You just have to be open. What What was the What was the whole attitude of the upper room? They were ready. They had prayed. They had They had sought. They had fasted. They had done these, hundred and twenty of them. They weren't in the midst of a synagogue with a bunch of people praying around, to praying for them, and praying putting their hands on them. They were ready. They just submitted to God. So that's my encouragement. Submit to God. And at least talk to God and ask Him if it's real, whatever concern you might have. What are you going to do if He tells you it is real? What are you going to do if He tells you I want you to have it? You ever think about that? You're like, oh, man, another comfort zone issue. Oh, man. I got to trust God like that? Oh, man, this is comfort. This is hard. This is hard. What are you going to do if God says this thing that you're learning about and you're seeking about, I want you to have it? Did you know a lot of problems that Christians have aren't in the fact, are not in the fact, that they are not reading their Bibles. It's not in the fact that they're not spending time with God. A lot of problems Christians have are in the follow through and the application of what God is telling them to do. So what are you gonna do? God says, yes. I want that for you. Yes, I want you to be a more powerful witness. Yes, step out of that comfort zone and do more than you are. What are we going to do? Are we going to apply? Are we going to say, well, God, it's just not me. Will that keep you from heaven? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to say it will. I won't say it won't. I don't know. That's between you and God. But at least consult the Lord with it. At least do that much. And whatever he says, I want to encourage you to follow through. Seriously. Follow through. Whatever he says, follow through. Amen? Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you today for, Lord, your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Father, for the day of Pentecost. Thank you, Father, for the birth of the church. Lord, we wouldn't be here had that day not happened. Father, thank you for all the things you've given and done. Lord, I pray right now that you would encourage us to seek your face in this issue to consult you with questions and concerns, completely open to your answers. And Lord, help us to be bold and brave enough for the application part of it. Lord, I pray that you would bless and minister to each and everyone that's here today. Encourage them. Lord, bless their day, bless their week, and be with them. And Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus name. Amen. Pretty fitting hymn for today's message. Uh, you know God was moving on Joanne's heart when she picked those, or unless you picked the hymn, did you pick the hymn? Okay. Well, God knew. God knew. Oh, well, the Lord bless you today. Amen. Thank you for being here. God be with you and give you a good day today and bless your heart and bless your life today and this week. May God give you opportunity to share your walk and faith with others and begin to peel away at those fears and doubts of comfort zones. Amen. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May He turn His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.